Hello and welcome to uh, Around the Table, live with Christian Concern. It's great to have you with us today. We are talking about the closure of bank accounts as one of the latest threats to Christian ministry. And uh, we've seen that happen recently with a ministry called Core Issues Trust. And I'm delighted to welcome today uh, Dr. Mike Davidson, who is Director of Core Issues Trust, and also uh, Liam Hayden, <coughs> excuse me, who also works for Core Issues Trust. Great Hello. to see you both. Thank you for joining us. And as well as that, we've got Karis Mosley, um, who is a policy researcher from Christian Concern on these issues. Karis, thank, uh, thank you for joining us as well. Good to see you. Um, Mike, why don't you start by telling us about Core Issues Trust Ministry, what you do, and then we'll get into the issue you faced with the bank. We're a registered charity and a Christian service that seek to support men and women who move away from unwanted same-sex attractions and gender confusion. And we do that within a Christian framework, but we're also cognizant of the scientific and professional literature around this. So we're very passionate about protecting rights and freedoms, but not only campaigning, but also actively putting in place uh, proper support for people. Very good, very good. And and so you provide counselling, talking therapy, that kind of thing for people who want it. We do. Uh, I do some of that, but obviously the network is much wider. I think we have very good connections throughout the world, yeah. and we're not always able to easily link people in terms of distance. But of course, sure. technology makes it a little easier today. Sure. Yeah. Great. So you were in court, Mike, uh, just this week on Monday um, because Barclays Bank closed your account um, with very short notice, didn't they? Um, was that last year or what exactly did that happen? That was in 2020. Um, right. Might I just take a minute to remember sure. exactly what did happen? So yes, please do. we've gone through unprecedented um battles, I guess, with social media to the point that we were receiving literally hundreds of phone calls over a period of about a week. Uh, apparently, um, uh, harassment people, phone calls, harassment yeah, phone calls. Yes, harassment phone calls. People yeah. had been motivated to complain about the trust uh, simultaneously, there were attempts to challenge the Northern Ireland Charity Commission uh, to remove us from our registration um, on the grounds that we were religious and under the accusation that we were providing so-called conversion therapy. Um, some of the threats through the phone calls were very, very horrible, really. There were th personal threats to staff members. Right. Um, there were many emails and, you know, dumps of images and things that we don't want to be associated, invitations to join all sorts of pornographic sites. Uh, this went on to the point where it had to be reported to the Northern Ireland um, Charity Commission as a, as, as a critical incident. Right. We also reported it to the police. We also reported it to a committee in Westminster that was looking at online abuse. Yeah. Um, and one of the posts happened to mention that um, we bank with Barclays 
And the accusation was that Barclays was facilitating us. And very shortly after that, we received letters for both the IFTCC and Core Issues Trust, separate accounts, saying that these accounts would close. And we had three months in which to relocate ourselves. And that was it. Uh, I then phoned and they said they didn't have to give us a reason for this. We didn't, <coughs> excuse me, comply with their co community rules. And that was the reason. Wow. So, um, and by the way, if you're watching live on Facebook or YouTube, um, do put in your questions. If you've got questions for any of these guests um, on this subject, we can ask them and we can see your points and we can ask them. Um, so, but if I remember rightly, Mike, some of these harassment um, uh, emails and messages were actually death threats and, and things like that as well. Well, certainly, yes, some of them were. One particular um, from outside the country, but, you know, was quite open in terms of supplying a telephone number, etc. They were very nasty, very unnecessary, yeah. I would say. So you, you received a communication from Barclays Bank that your account would be closed with three months and and you asked for a reason that didn't give you any reason and suddenly you're stuck without a bank um, and um, and and there you are you know, they've, they've closed off your services because of what, what what do you think the reason was Mike? Well I know that Barclays Bank is a if not the major funder of pride right. in London. Right. Uh, that for years they've been promoting LGBT issues and providing logos that were, you know, in flashing rainbow colors every so often. So there's a close association with those values and Barclays mm. Bank. Mm. And um, indications were that this appeared to be a response uh, in terms of the indignation that was being raised at the time about the fact that we had a bank. Um, I think what was concerning also is there is this implication that we've done something wrong, that we've done something illegal, that we are again so-called conversion therapists. And my concern is that the bank seemed to be taking on, I don't know, some kind of persona or some set of values. Um, and even before this legislation is even seriously considered, it's mm. acting um, on, on those grounds. And therefore, I think there is considerable reputational damage uh, that is being inflicted on organizations in those circumstances. Yes, as, as well as, um, you know, kind of financial cancellation, if that's the right word. Did any other organizations cancel your accounts or your, their services to you? Well, yes, I'm afraid over the years, MailChimp um, suddenly pulled everything down. Right. Uh, PayPal, just after, you know, probably 10 years of working with PayPal, yeah. uh, PayPal removed their services. We, in both cases, applied against that. Um, all of our Facebook accounts have been taken down. Um shortly after being actually quite successful in promoting what we were doing and yep. many thousands interacting with it, all of a sudden this was taken down. Um, I think we've, what else have we lost? 
um liam i can't remember is it TikTok? no maybe we've got you know i'm kind of out of social media right now i'm fed up with social media and frankly they can take what they want because we'll survive anyway and we'll find ways of communicating but just about everything we have and the frustrating thing is you know people put time and effort into promotion into presenting things well and in a flash it's all yeah. taken down with no reason given yeah. youtube took yeah. down yeah. voices of the silence we had 15 languages i think associated with um the film that we made that was taken down they're telling so, me they silenced voices of the silence voices of the silence they took down they left the english yeah. version for some unknown reason. And I think this is very interesting to me. Often there's no cause and effect. There's no consistency. It, and yeah. when you respond and you try and, you know, raise the issues, you write lawyers' letters, you find the correct addresses to send all of these to, yes. but they just don't respond. They appear to be a law to themselves. Yes, and they, they seem to be um, discriminating at will um in who they provide services to don't they Karis, do you want to comment on this because there's been a wider trend now recently of paypal being in the news for this yeah i think um yeah paypal has uh, been in the news but also in terms of bank cancellation so jp morgan and chase one of the biggest banks in the world i think um had closed down the um very very new account of the u.s national committee for religious freedom which is a very important um, body. It's run by former Republican Senator Sam, uh, is it Brownback? It's a major campaigner for religious freedom, a Christian, but would, would support freedom of religion for all in the US and beyond. Um, and uh, I mean, that story is is quite, um, is quite extraordinary because the, the account had been open for, I think less than 60 days or less than two months. But the, um, what did the banks say? They had not given a clear reason. So again, very similar to, to Mike's case. Um, they ended the relationship after only three weeks. So Senator Brownback um, wrote in the Washington Examiner about this, which is a big US newspaper. Um, um, he was informed, so the director called um, the bank. He was told a note in the file that Chase employees were not permitted to provide any further clarifying information. That's interesting. So there's obviously a chain of authority here and of silencing um, inside the organization. Um, the decision was final, as in your case. Um, why was there such secrecy? This is a big question. Um, so the bank then told this committee, the group hadn't provided document documentation they'd asked within an initial 60-day time frame. But the fact is the bank um, account had only been open for 20 days. So, you know, there was obviously lots of excuses being made there. But then it emerged that what the um, um, one of the bank employees, probably using a pseudonym, then told this committee that the bank wanted a donor list to, to know who gave them money, a list of political candidates they intended to support in the yeah. US, yeah. and a complete explanation of their criteria for all of that. Well, I have to say, without naming names, I am aware of that kind of thing happening in the UK Um I don't want to name the banks, but there are banks doing this, asking customers 
various very intrusive questions like that. And it's a trend that isn't really, I think there needs to be much more reporting of it. So it's good, obviously, for us, for Mike, that you're having this case, but also that the general principle needs far more exposure. Um, it's yeah. an international issue, it seems. Yes. It's interesting and that PayPal, today the JP Morgan um, accounts, the website has been down and customers have been talking about that. So, <laughs> Yeah, and, and PayPal have been in the news as well in the UK for cancelling the account of the Free Speech Union yeah. and uh, the Day Skeptic and um, the organisation um, for children, supported children, um, I forget what the organisation was called now, um, as well. Um, and then they actually, because that got in the news so much and questions raising Parliament, they actually backed down on that and re reinstated those accounts. Um, but the damage was done. And again, they provided no reason and, and so on. And, and they do seem to be unaccountable. So, Mike, um, with the help of Christian Christian Legal Centre, you brought a legal case against Barclays. So tell us about that. Well, we have done exactly that we've gone through the procedure of um calling them up for what we believe is discriminatory behavior yeah. and uh most recently on monday a hearing was held in belfast yeah uh this was an attempt by the opposition to strike down the case really um the block is trying to strike it down yeah they, they want to strike it down, and the reason they want to strike it down is on the grounds of jurisdiction. So they didn't really, you know, raise any issues around the substantive issues that we are bringing, but right. they don't want it to happen in Belfast, according to them. Um, you know, Barclays Bank headquarters is in, in London, and therefore the case should be heard there, which... I think, you know, to summarize, I think we we think is a lot of nonsense <laughs> since uh, the the account was opened here in Belfast in the city of Lisbon, not 20 minutes away from my home. Um, I went in there, did all the paperwork, have been functioning from that branch uh, since sure. I think 2007, and yet this case cannot be heard in Belfast. So... I don't know what the judge will do. A judgment is reserved. We won't hear how the judge is responding to this for several weeks. But I really hope that, um, you know, we will be able to hear the case in the jurisdiction where all this took place since we are registered to the Northern Ireland. If, um, if the judge rules that it, it shouldn't have been brought in Northern Ireland for some reason, will you bring a case in London? Well, certainly, I'd be hopeful that we would right. do that, and if the right. if the lawyers supported that, then that's exactly what we would do. So, right. I don't know if this is an attempt to buy time. Um, right. I don't know what the motivation is, but it's been delayed and delayed. Every, you know, every time we've gone towards something, the opposition has not been available on that day. So, uh, I don't know what's going on there. Quite honestly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I see a comment there from Nicole on YouTube who says, um, I've just been putting a complaint with my own bank due to being asked intrusive questions about my own banking. That's very interesting. Um, Karis, obviously, picking up on what you said um, earlier there. Um, if, um, that can be displayed on the screen. Um, so, but this is very concerning, isn't it, um, Karis? Because what you've got here now 
is a bank, major bank, and then we've also seen PayPal, Mailchimp, and various other organisations um, cancelling that provide effectively essential services. You can't operate with a bank. Any any charity can't operate without bank. Any organisation can't operate without bank account. Um, essential services being prohibited by major financial institutions to Christian organisations. How do you see this developing, Karis? Or, you know. Well, it's good that so in the United States, right? Um, what obviously the case of the National uh, Committee on Religious Freedom has a lot of publicity um, internationally, and so they've started a campaign called "Chased Away," um, and it would be good to right. see how that develops now, right? Um, because that committee works internationally; they yeah. um, make comments and interventions on issues in Europe, for example, such as the Finnish politician who was being dragged through the courts for simply stating the biblical Christian view of marriage. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we want to get behind and, and support um, campaigns like that. Um, but Mike hasn't had much to... support on this. Yeah, that's the interesting thing to me. You know, whereas when PayPal cancelled the Free Speech Union, there was a big fuss kicked up and everything and, and PayPal even ended up backing down there. Um, there's not been many people prepared to stand up for Mike. And I know if they, and if it's they can get away with cancelling Mike, if they can get away with cancelling Mike, they'll they'll pick on other churches and other Christian organizations next, won't they? And next it'll be Christians after that. And I think so what we need to do is to show that Mike is the canary in the coal mine with these kinds of cases. Yes. We need to explain that and illustrate it as much as possible. I think obviously the Free Speech Union is a much bigger, it has a much wider remit of topics. So people who might disagree vehemently with each other are in it. It's a sort yeah. of trade union, isn't it? And so that's slightly different when it comes to approaching the the media. But I would just say one word about PayPal. They backed down, but they kind of didn't because they still, you know, they haven't reinstated Mike's account. Right. Um, lots of people have cancelled their accounts quite sensibly. Yeah. I think there's been guides on in certain parts of the media on how to cancel your PayPal account properly so right. that they don't retain your data. And I think right. that's one thing, you know, it's it's maybe what people need to do is to boycott. Um, yes. So so that as well. But there also needs to be um, a move towards using alternative tech because big tech is too powerful and ideological. There's some really good alt tech platforms um for all sorts of social media and accounts out there now. I mean, I just I saw something just before coming on, which I haven't had time to read. The top ten PayPal alternatives. Right. We need to get creative with with good business plans for these things, mm. um, because it's not going to go away. You can't just wait and say, "Oh yeah, Free Speech Union had a victory, Christian Union had a victory." It doesn't work like that. You don't just mm. passively wait for the courts to hand out our freedoms. We enact them ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we we have now alternatives for all of these things that have been taken away from us right um so we can still function and i do want to just acknowledge the work of citizen go that put together a um campaign at the time of the ending of the barclays account i think seventy-two thousand plus signed that so right. you know there is a lot of concern around the world for this kind of activity yeah definitely so, Mike, we, we wish you all the best in that case. And I know that um, we'll be keeping um, our supporters um, very much informed um, on that as well, if you're connected with our, us on email or, or on social media um, and things as well. But I know that this just this last weekend, Mike, you were in Hungary and Liam as well, 
um, and indeed Karis as well, weren't you, um, at the IFTCC conference. Perhaps you can explain, um, Liam, can I ask you to explain, bring you in, um, what IFTCC is and what this conference was about? Uh, okay, so um, essentially the IFCCC um, is, as I understand this anyway, Mike, please correct me, um, is um, a federation which in a sense brings together all, uh, all different um, people. So we're talking about psychiatrists, psychiatrists psychologists um, from, from all different nations, uh, doctors, etc., um, who, who, I, who I would say believe that change is possible, that uh, sexuality is fluid and it can therefore, in fact, change. Um, and it, they basically go against the stay gay culture is, is the best way I would, I would describe it. And right. uh, so we, we had a conference in, in Hungary last week and we had, I, uh, I believe it was, 27 nations represented uh, so we had delegates wow. from 27 different nations wow and uh, really it, it, it was an amazing time of of learning we had many speakers um and um yes it, it was amazing to see uh, the way all these people exchanged ideas and uh, how everyone got together to have a very fair discussion on these issues Brilliant. And I think IFTCC stands for International Federation of Therapeutic Counseling Choice. Is that right, Mike? Yes, uh, exactly that. It's a multidisciplinary organization, which means that it's not only about clinicians, it's also about uh, people who uh, campaign for a more conservative viewpoint, uh, lawyers who are interested in protecting rights and freedoms, Mm -hmm. uh, it's interested in reaching out to parents who have children who are troubled by these issues. Mm -hmm. So it's a rich mix of all of those who stand for the same thing, actually Judeo-Christian values and mm -hmm. biblical values mm -hmm. that underscore all of these issues. Mm -hmm. uh, and Hungary was, I would say, a successful event in bringing all of those people together. There was a you know, there was great expectation and also great joy, I think, in seeing one another after such yeah. a long period of being separated. So right. it was, it was the first in-person one since the lockdown, was it, since since COVID? Uh, we did have one last year, but <laughs> it wasn't as successful as this one, let's say, just because we had very little time to organize it. But right. this year we had, you know, participants from Canada, uh, from Singapore, from Australia, New Zealand, all over the USA, all over Europe. Uh, wow. So it's very encouraging and uplifting, I believe. Wow. And, and any sort of key messages or highlights that you'd like to share with us? Well, I think essentially the, the theme of the conference was standing for freedom, advancing professional and pastoral counselling work. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's one thing to go to a conference and ten attend all these sessions. We wanted to consolidate things. So we've actually now launched what we call a learning site. Mm -hmm. uh, we've created a curriculum. Every year there is a curriculum. This is actually where Liam comes in. His role is to support this. Mm -hmm. He's working very much in the background. What that means is if you if you come to the conference, you get free access 
you get into each of the sessions online that were represented at the conference. You can see all the materials and related materials. You also have the learning objectives and the test questions that test your learning. And the right. idea is that as, as you work through the curriculum framework, it's all there on learning.iftcc.org. It's all right. there. Other people right. who weren't at the conference, they have to pay a fee. But the point is, over time, you get an award. And what this means is that uh, you have met what we call the recognized learner, uh, the, the recognized provider framework which means that we recognize you as a person who obviously we're happy to refer people to. Right, right. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So, okay. and the other thing is that it also provides those who are professionally qualified, either as clinicians or, you know, counselors, psychotherapists, mm -hmm. with an opportunity to upskill their knowledge in this area mm -hmm. in an informal way, but Mm -hmm. also in a formal way in the sense that mm -hmm. they can do it in a very concrete way yeah 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 i can see a comment there from andrew wilkinson this is why we need christians placed in all kinds of jobs to bring influence but better still create infrastructure um referring to all the banking and that so liam i understand you've got your own story of change um in this area can you sort of tell us um what, what is your experience on in this area I do indeed. I'll um, I'll try and make this as as quick as quick as possible because I, I think many people know that I can talk about this until the cows come home. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, essentially, I I had always dreamed of of growing up as a child to to be um, married with uh, with with a wife, obviously, and to have children, etc. Sure, sure. And um, well, at 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 one very long stage of my life, I believe. I believed that body were were betraying me. Um, I thought I was born this way, etc. And I hated myself. I went. Um, I, I then hated God, and I I guess I, I chucked him out of my life for uh, for a period of time. I neither committed suicide in that period of time, and um, and then one day I was I, I had a kind of spiritual attack. And I then picked up prayer to him because I knew this, this is not something that, that's, um, that's very common. And I said, okay, I need you to change my life and I need you to change it now. And um, actually, I then the next day, I remember watching a documentary on, on embassies, the most random thing. And I wondered what the Maltese embassy um, was like. So I searched that up. I'm from a Maltese background. Right. And um, and the, um, this was actually on the voices of the voices of the silence channel. And uh, the first video that that, that came up was uh, Andrew Williams um, describing uh, Matthew Greck's story. So Matthew Greck is is, is someone who mm -hmm. who uh, had left the LGBT lifestyle here in Malta. Yeah. And I think from that day, my life completely changed. Um, I found support. So that's the video of Andrea Williams, TV executive of Christian Sermon, was it, right? Yes, exactly. So she, she was right. um, describing Matthew's story, essentially, right. at, at, yeah. outside this embassy. And so right. I got into contact with 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 Matthew. He he really supported me. Right. Um, and um, and yeah, I think from from them, my life completely changed. I um, 
I got I got support. I I went through counselling uh, myself for a while. I went to a couple of of, of Christian uh, healing ministries to deal with the the areas surrounding this issue, not to deal with this issue, but surrounding it. Right. And um, and really, I'm in a I'm in a stage today where where I would say I'm walking in freedom, and I am engaged also to a to, to a wonderful uh, woman of God. So, oh wow, that yeah, is fantastic, wow. Brilliant. And so what would you say then to people who are saying that we should outlaw so-called conversion therapy? I would say that on the day that I was, you know, looking outside that window, uh, you know, waiting to jump, I would say that they would, they could have just come up, come up and push me out the window straight away. Because if, if I did not get, get this support, this is what I would have ended up doing 100%. So really, Corishu's trust has saved my life, literally. Wow, fantastic. Wow, that's amazing to hear. Thank you so much for sharing it. That's when you need to tell the bank. You need to tell the bank that. It saved my life. Right, Liam, you and me, we'll go. We'll go together and tell them. Let's go. If you you ban what they're calling conversion therapy, you're saying someone in, in Liam's position it would be illegal to help them. That's what you're actually saying. You're criminalizing helping someone in Liam's position. Isn't that right, Mike? Uh, Tim, can I just offer this? I think we're, yeah. we're doing it all. We're being very consistent here. We're saying so-called conversion therapy, abandoning yeah. so-called conversion therapy. Yeah. Let's turn this around. Let's let's say what it is. They are banning therapeutic choice. They are yes. banning therapeutic and counseling choice. That's the issue. All of us are against junk science, junk therapy, junk counseling. We don't want anything to do with that. But what we are very concerned about is to protect the rights and freedoms of people who want to decide their own pathway, as Liam did. Mm. When he was standing at the window, he had no choice. The only choice was out the window. But what he learned was there are alternatives and there are choices around things that he didn't even choose. And that's where we come into play. We can support people to work out their issues. And this stay gay culture, this forcing people Mm. to be Mm. consistent with feelings they don't want and they don't understand is what is so dangerous in this country. Yeah, yeah, no, it is, yeah. And and um, Karis, where where are we up to now in terms of in the UK on proposals to outlaw therapeutic choice, as Mike just put it? Well, of course, choice in in therapy depends on you um, being assumed to be able to consent to therapy or counselling, and and if you don't like the counselling or therapy you get, you can shop around. Basically, you can move yeah. because it is in the private sector. Even in the NHS, nobody's forcing you to talk about anything. Um, So I'm a little bit concerned, and I think we just got a piece up uh, yesterday, actually, um, about the fact that there's now a conversion therapy support website um, funded by a charity called Gallup um, in the UK. And they already run what's called the Conversion Therapy Victims Helpline, which gets government funding. So they they actually get a lot of government money when you look at their accounts. Um, And... um, so first of all, they define conversion therapy more widely than how the government has um, has done. They define it as suppressing a person's 
sexual or romantic orientation and or gender identity. Yeah. So that's pretty extraordinary. They're getting into policing people's emotions, not just the sexual feelings, which I think is outrageous. Yeah. Um, and they deem that consenting to what whatever comes into their term hemotherapy is not possible, not even for adults. Whereas when the government was consulting on all this mm. in um, mm. last autumn, they did grudgingly concede consent for adults, but not children. So this is the thing, because Liam, you were... Um, I don't know if you were 18 at the time of, you know, what you're talking about. We're talking about your teenage years in terms of your general experiences. They still, uh, they have not said no or backtracked on having a ban for minors, which is what tends to happen in different countries. So this issue of denying consent, there's a whole history behind that. Um, is... So let's just, let's just backtrack on that. So the government consultation on banning conversion therapy said we do not propose to outlaw it where, where there's consent yeah. given and they I think they made it very clear that you have to sign a pretty draconian form saying you know we are aware of all the dangers etc but if you consented you could still have some talking therapy with people about this kind of thing yeah. but the, now the government sponsored website for conversion therapy helpline says that consent is not possible so something has changed somewhere along the line or somebody has gone further than what the government has said on this and and move the goalposts on it. Yes, yes, that's what's happened. And we don't actually know the details. I know where, I know because I've written about it, if anybody's reading our stuff, where the idea of a denial of consent will have come from. But we don't know from, as in inside the government, exactly which government minister did this. You know, yeah. but remember the, the website was published, I think it was last week. Yes. Um, and of course, we had this turmoil with this 45 or 44 day prime minister, haven't we? And what we yes. do know is the back in May, the cabinet paper on this topic was leaked to ITV News. And uh, in that, it was said that Liz Truss, who was subsequently prime minister, was not ideologically committed to this ban. But she was, so then she was the equalities minister, wasn't she? She was the equalities yes. minister. And, yeah. and she was out of the country. Um, she was also foreign secretary. And then it come back and it's unclear, you know, she was obviously not briefed or messaged properly about what was going on. It's yeah. all been a complete mess. Um, yeah. And since then as well, there's been other rumours. She kept on making U-turns about all kinds of policies, but was silent about this yeah. during the um, Conservative leadership um, race over the summer. Yeah. So we don't know where it stands. We don't know whether Gallup has deliberately gone out on a limb and gone further than the government or whether its wording act accurately represents what the de facto people in charge in the Government Equalities Office think. Because you've got, you've got to understand with the Government Equalities Office, they, they keep on having revolving doors. People keep on, people, yeah. the staff tends to be quite young and then right. they leave to do other things. And so they always have an acting head of this or that, which suggests right. that they have a bit of a problem with getting things done. <laughs> right. So we are in a, we are in a limbo, really. And we're waiting for the government's own response to the consultation as well, aren't we, Karis? Well, I don't think that's going to come before we get a new prime minister. I no, think that I don't, would no, be I don't very important because there's been no. great widespread widespread public concern about this consultation. Yes, yes. Um, be a few weeks. But meanwhile, Labour, Keir Starmer, yeah, only was it yesterday? Mm -hmm. um, or Wednesday said, um, you know, conversion therapy, absolutely, we're going to get on with it. You know, as soon as we get power, we will outlaw this. 
and also allow gender self-ID and somebody who wants to full-on bring this agenda right right into play, doesn't he? I mean, what is Keir Starmer on about? And the thing is, I mean, of course, at the moment, the Conservatives are very unpopular and they, the Labour want to push for a general election. Um, and of course, that's entirely normal in politics that you'd use every opportunity like this one. But what a promise. I mean, you know, they've been losing um, prominent women in Labour to the Conservatives or to just generally being floating voters. And so yeah. it's not good when they're hemorrhaging key figures who, who, you know, people in the policy space who then go to all these gender critical women's movements. Yeah. Um, so they want to ban all forms of provision therapy. They want to appoint an envoy to promote LGBT rights globally, which is what Obama did. Right. They want to mon modernise the Gender Recognition Act. That's a way of saying we want gender self-identification, which the public has rejected and the yeah. government's rejected. So they live in some kind of... I don't know, a looking glass world. Um, but the problem is that this could be our next government. Yes. Um, and I think that people, uh, whatever they normally vote for or about, need to be very much more aware of this. And taking away, but the key point for us is this, taking away adults' ability to consent, yes. uh, the assumption that they can consent to normal talking therapy, to conversations in private yes. settings, um, that is completely unacceptable. Yes, uh, and once, once they do that, they've lost the plot. Yes, yeah, criminalising consensual conversations, even formally consented to conversations, would be criminalised. I mean, that, that's the extraordinary thing, isn't it? Even in your home, even in private, a consenting conversation could be a criminal conversation. That's that's what you're talking about here. Yeah. Um, I think it's important to ground this in the fact that surely this is a gospel issue. Right. Um, it's not merely something that is you know on the periphery concerning therapists and counselors this yeah. hits at the very central anthropology of the bible in terms of god's template for family and his yeah. creation of difference or twoness maleness and femaleness and that's the design yeah. and the cleverness with which this has all been framed has come about because I think the architects want to, uh, you know, hoodwink Christians into thinking that this is not central, that it's peripheral. It's absolutely mm. central, in my view, to gospel freedoms. Mm. Mm. Yes. Well, um, Mike, you're doing fantastic work there. Um, I'm sure hopefully you just remind us of the website of your learning portal or, or or um, on our TCC? www.learning.iftcc.org. Um, uh, Something like that. Great, yeah. Learning.iftcc, I think you'll find it. If you go to iftcc.org, you will see um, all of the links. We've also just launched um, an open source search archive all of the relevant documents associated with our movement around the world are beginning to be added. Yeah. Uh, we've also an advert to the Journal of Human Sexuality, which is a peer-reviewed journal that looks at this from a, a, a more academic point of view. Yeah. yeah. All on iftcc.org. Yeah. yeah, I think we've put the link on, on the um, on the chat lines now. Um, so listen, thank you so much. Listen, we will be praying for that uh, result in the Barclays case um, that should come out in the next week or two. Um, and and really wishing you all the best for that. Um, very important case. I think a very important case for Christian ministries generally across the UK. If, if the bank can just close your account, 
where does that leave us? Liam, thank you so much for sharing your story. Fantastic, inspiring story. And congratulations on your engagement. Really, really good. Really, really thank good you. news. Um, and Karis, thanks for your comments as well. And thank you all for watching and listening. I hope you found that as interesting and uh, inspiring as I did as well. Um, and uh, do connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and um, on our email list. And uh, look forward to seeing you again very soon. Thank you very much.